Welcome to Straight from the CPA's Mouth, your connection to the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center, Alberta CPAs, and business professionals. This podcast, presented by the CPA Education Foundation, features Alberta chartered professional accountants and others sharing their expertise and insights on a wide range of topics. Tune in regularly for eye-opening looks on leadership, business, education, and many issues of the day, straight from the CPA's mouth. Before we begin, in honour of the 94 calls to action put forth by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, we'd like to acknowledge that CPA Education Foundation offices are situated on the traditional Treaty 6 and Treaty 7 territories. The Foundation acknowledges that we reside on traditional and ancestral territories of many Indigenous, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. Their histories and culture influence our community to this day. The CPA Education Foundation is committed to helping build a province where Indigenous peoples and their voices and experiences are heard, valued, respected, and celebrated. Welcome back to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. My name is Jessica DeGroot with the CPA Education Foundation, and I'll be your host for this episode. A recent article by The Globe and Mail states that 41% of Canadians plan to take up a side hustle amid inflation and cost of living pressures. Many people already have side businesses or are taking on extra work to keep up with the cost of groceries, energy, and other increasing bills. Money is tight for many, and when it comes to tax time, no one wants a balance owing on their tax bill, especially right now. Today, we have Annalisa Jin, CPACA, and owner of A. Jin CPA Professional Corporation, a virtual CPA firm specializing in Canadian and U.S. tax. Annalisa has both her U.S. and Canadian CPA designation, and I can't wait to find out if we can actually save money on our taxes. It's time to hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. Good morning, Annalisa. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Good morning, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me, and it's good to be here. So I guess we'll just dive right into the questions. And my first one is, is it possible to save money on taxes? And what I mean by that is, um, you know, when you get your taxes back, you maybe you have to pay less, or you get more back on your return. Is it possible? Um, For sure. So our tax system, both in Canada and the U.S., is a self-reporting system. So every year, um, taxpayers have to report their income and expenses. And there are some rules and guidelines around what uh, that entails. So um, in terms of deductions, uh, some common deductions that we obviously have to watch for for tax savings is uh, contributing to your RSPs doing donations, medical expenses, um, if you have family, childcare expenses, um, if you have a student or you're studying, then tuition credits, so that sort of thing. So for business owners, um, there's some things that they can do, strategies they can do to um, watch for their their taxes. Um, Expenses-wise, they can deduct reasonable business expenses against their business income. And on the business side, uh, there's some strategies um, because they can either be a cash basis or a accrual basis. So in a year where perhaps there is, it's not, it's a slow year, you can, for a cash basis taxpayer, then 
um, because your reporting income based on when you get the income, there's a possibility that you can report it in the next year because it's a reporting and calendar year. Mm-hmm. So definitely some strategies on on how that income and expenses are reporting um, to to some extent. Obviously, you don't want to do tax evasion or avoiding or not reporting your income expenses. But yes, for sure, there's some planning around that. Okay. So I guess it just really depends on where you're at in your life, whether you're a student or you have young families um, or a small business owner or whatever it may be, there would be different strategies that you can implement and um, maybe different forms to look for as well when you're submitting your taxes. Yes, you got it. Okay. So I guess you know, we'll jump right into people that do have small businesses. Many people are focused on making more money right now, and it is more prevalent than ever, it seems, that people have a side business, whether it's a hobby turned business, um, you know, something virtual or home-based. Is there anything different that these individuals need to know about when it comes to filing their taxes? I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but is there anything specific for small business owners? There are. First and foremost, you should be declaring your income. Um, there's no minimum. If you're, if it's past a hobby and it's a, a business, then you should be declaring income and not waiting for CRA to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then you'll you you have to face some interest and penalties that way. So for sure, declare your income um, because the side hustle businesses are unincorporated. That is like it's not. You don't haven't set up a company. That's a separate conversation in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you file it on your personal income tax return on a, a statement called T twenty one twenty five, and there you report your income and expenses. And there's a box um, that you can uh, check for whether you're a cash basis. We touched on that, or mm-hmm. an accrual basis. Then for specific business owners, then there's expenses that they can take. That has to be reasonable and within CRA guidelines against that income. So those are to reduce that income. And those are the expenses that uh, you incur because you're making that income. Uh, so you have to be careful that it is business related. And then you look at any assets that you use for business. Some businesses are more asset intensive. Like if you were uh, doing a uh, home cooking, um, you'd have kitchen equipment that um, might be expense in the same year or if it's a, a larger expense um, and if it's what uh, the CRA has CCA classes, then you could um, expense that over uh, a period of time. So, But that's dependent on the business. Mm-hmm. And then also keep in mind that because you're self-employed, you, you are required to pay into the Canadian CPP. So both for employees to be the employer and employee share. So that's something to keep in mind in terms of taxes. And then think about GST and HST. I know in here in Alberta, we don't have HST, but mm-hmm. definitely GST. Uh, there is the small supplier threshold of $30,000 that if you're above that, then you should be registering for GST Mm-hmm. and um, collecting it from your customers. Uh, there is some um, some special rules about ride sharing that, that you should be uh, looking to doing the GST. And then you can also voluntarily register for GST. And the benefit in that is that if you are very asset intensive or there's some big expenses, you can also claim 
the GST input tax credits to, to reduce some of that, uh, the GST that you collected. And then for estimated taxes, I know you touched upon at the uh, intro that um, um, you may have um, tax owing. So mm-hmm. at a point in time where your tax owing is over 3000 then you're going to have to pay in every quarter. And that kind of reduces and smooths out your any tax owing because you can't avoid tax. Mm-hmm. So at least if you're paying in quarterly as you're required, then you won't have such a huge tax bill come time to file your tax return. And the deadline for that for self-employed is June 15 versus May 1st this year for um, the regular taxpayers. Yeah, so definitely a lot of things that small business owners can look into there. And I mean, it's kind of sounds like it's just... There's so many different variables and it's so dependent on, like you mentioned, what kind of business you have or what it is that you're doing um, and each person's own individual situation. So probably just best to kind of consult your accountant or CPA on that and figure out what's best for you personally. Right. So I've also heard when it comes to like tax brackets and things, whether you make between thirty and sixty thousand dollars a year or sixty and a hundred or whatever those tax brackets are, I've heard that people talk, you know, I've heard people talk in fear about having their income increase because they don't want to pay a higher tax rate. So they're afraid that, you know, if they make a little bit more money, it will push them into that next higher tax bracket. Is that ever a bad thing? Is that a, is that something that people should worry about? Well, th- certainly that is one position. Um, the other position is that uh, we do live in a system with marginal tax rates. So the first tax rate uh, combined is 25%, and then the next tax rate after that is uh, 325 So mm-hmm. if you're in between that, it's, it doesn't say that all your income is going to be taxed at the 32.5. It's just that there is the, the bracket. So income up to that certain point, uh, it's the first bracket is up to 50197 mm-hmm. So up to that point, you're still taxed at the lower percent and then only the income above that percentage you tax at the higher rate. So definitely like think don't think about it so much as you're all taxed at the higher rate. Mm-hmm. And also like keep in mind that the whole goal of doing a side hustle is like you're you're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Um you're trying to, towards financial stability. Mm-hmm. So th- definitely um you have to think about that it's aligned with your goals, what you're doing, and making money is that goal. Mm-hmm. That tax is always just one part of the whole decision. So, yeah, that for, for me, I think that, yes, there is the tax and you have to pay it, but don't let that be the only limiting factor when you do have the opportunity to make more money. And your deductions will also increase, likely. So, in the end, it um, I think it does works out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably evens out at the end of the day. Um, so if you're running a business out of your home specifically, is there anything, any tax benefits from doing that? Or do you have to make a certain amount of income to get tax benefits from claiming certain deductions from your home-based business? Well, for that, um, you can definitely have the benefit of, um, of deducting some of your home expenses. That includes rent, utilities, um, home insurance, some um, reasonable repairs and maintenance. But keep in mind, this is a mixed-use asset because you're using it for your home mm-hmm. um, and that percentage for your business. So you're going to have to prorate that for the, the 
business related part, what are um, it's it's like five percent, ten percent. I I think CRA would probably uh, look closer into that if you're claiming hundred percent of your home because that you're not using it at all for business. In terms of getting that percentage. Um, one of the common ways is taking the square footage of the area that you use. And sometimes it comes down to the days that you use it. If you're u- using the kitchen table, mm-hmm. you're not using that all the time for business. I mean, you're using that for meals. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you almost have to go, go into the days that you use it, like the percentage of days. So, uh, but always have uh, keep track of how you're... You're prorating those expenses because uh, you may be asked down the road. But for sure, you can if you're using it at home. Yes, for sure, you can uh, have a deduction on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so whether it be like an office area or you know wherever it is you're working specifically in your home, there are ways that you can report and get some deductions from there. Right. Okay. And then speaking of write-offs, I guess just for everybody, not necessarily those that have a small business. Um, you know, we're coming up to tax or we're in, I guess, tax time right now. So are there any common tax write-offs that are frequently missed? Um, in terms of mix, um, CRA on the website, they publish uh, a whole list of what you can write off. And again, going back to the tenant that it has to be reasonable and there's no personal portion. And then it look at your specific business. I mean, if you are perhaps doing like podcasts um, and you have to have the equipment and your expenses are going to be different mm-hmm. from someone who's doing a ride share. So definitely mm-hmm. don't just think that if it, you know, that's not a usual business expense, like don't miss that sort of write off. Mm-hmm. But think about what you're spending, that if you're spending it for your business, then you more most likely you can use it as a business deduction. Okay. Are there any common like misconceptions when it comes to write-offs? I know that there's, I don't know if you've seen it, there's like a meme that's going around on the internet right now and it's like pretty much like when you write something off, it's free, right? And so like they people joke like, oh, I wrote it off. Um, but it's not free, of course. Is there anything like that that um, taxpayers should know about? Any common misconceptions? I think that there's just some, and I don't want to say red flags, but there are some things that um, definitely there's some rules that have limited some deductions just because people are writing it off, and that that's a lot around meals and entertainment, mm. um, travel, and also if you're paying your family and they don't do the work. So there are those misconceptions that you know you could just deduct everything when. There might be a personal component to it. It's a to a related person. It's not reasonable. Then um, you can write it off, but it, it could be that um, you're not going to be allowed the deduction if if it's, there's a closer look at it. Also, again, going back to the mixed use, like it doesn't have to be your home that has a personal component. It could be your vehicle. If you're not using mm-hmm. it all for business, I mean, a rideshare operator would have more business use of his vehicle, his or her vehicle, versus someone who's restricted to the home. So you have to watch for, again, coming back to what's reasonable. Mm-hmm. And then I, it did come up 
I did think it was think about a story when a couple of years back I was just happened to be in a, it was a social setting and I there was a lady that was giving a tax tip and talking about how she had a, a rental property. I know this is slightly off the business part of That's it, but okay. she had a rental property and she said, oh, this is so great. You know, I can deduct everything off and show a loss every year. Like, obviously, I didn't say anything because that's not really, I wasn't there for that. But mm-hmm. I was just thinking, okay, all, are all those expenses actually deductible? I mean, it's like you could just to get to that rental loss. And then to the second part, again, thinking like a tax accountant, mm-hmm. there has to be a profit motive to any income. I mean, if you're, if you are having a business, um, it's, and you can deduct things, you know, at some point in time, you'd like that to be profitable. So having the deductions that so that you can show a loss, I mean, it's kind of goes against um, what your business is. So mm-hmm. it just kind of made me think that, you know, people have some misconceptions on what they can or can't do. And yes, it looks good to look, there's a loss, I don't have to pay less tax, but is like if you dig down, is is that can that hold on its own? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And what you said about it has to there has to be a profit motive. Mm-hmm. So, what about somebody that I guess there's lots of people working from home now, or maybe they have a hybrid work model of of some sort where they're in the office two days a week working at home, and and say these people don't have a business of their own; they're just employed by somebody else. Are they able to write off any any sort of anything for their home because that's like their part-time or full-time office, even though they are employed? Yeah, the expenses for employees are a little bit more limited that Mm -hmm. way. Um, You can deduct some of your home expenses um, to the extent that you can prove that you're using it for home and your employer uh, allows you to do so. There's a special form that uh, employers sign off on at the T2200 that says that, yes, you're you're working from home, you're incurring these expenses, and you're not going to get reimbursed. Like once at a point in time you're reimbursed and excluded on your T4, then you can't deduct it. That's double dipping. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you definitely have to check with your employer, I guess. And this last year, there's also that COVID-19 $2.00. Per day deduction if you have to work from home. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, it, that came like during the pandemic when you had to work from home, but it was a consecutive um, number of days. So if you're doing a hybrid, maybe that's not open to you mm-hmm. that you could deduct like $2 per day that uh, you were home and but not claim the business expenses. That was more like a simplified okay. claim. So was that for the year like 2020, 2021? Yes, and this is the last year we have it again. Okay. Yeah. So if you're working from home for a certain number of consecutive days, then you can potentially claim that. Right. But the, definitely not for a hybrid, though, because that's not yeah. consecutive. So right. that's something to keep in mind. It's it's not a lot, $2 a day, but any every little thing counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if it adds up over the course of the year. Okay. So when it comes to married or common law couples that are often splitting the household bills. We're all familiar of the economic times right now. Money might be a little bit tight to maintain the home, groceries, and things like that. Can we talk a little bit about income splitting and what exactly that is? Uh, for sure. So when I think of income splitting, that's, I think, more of what the 
older couples, more of the retirees, because I, mm-hmm. I think of a pension splitting. Okay. And that's only available for individuals over 65. The benefit of that is that you, a higher income person might be able to split the pension that they receive mm-hmm. and have that report to the lower income person so that the in terms of tax rates, um, the overall tax, you have to look at the overall tax, is that there's a reduction on what they tax as a, a family unit. Okay. So that's not available or is it beneficial for anybody under 65 or just not available? Uh, well, just for the pension splitting, that's, um, okay. yeah, that's more, you have to be Canadian, you have to be married or common law, age 65, and then restricted to pensions like RSPs, RIF, um, some life annuities. So th- there's some limitation there, but definitely that that's a, that's a benefit that's possible, like I said, to to kind of smooth out that uh, income so that it's taxed uh, at a lower rate. Then, of course, there's some other things you have to watch out for, though, because there is that benefit. But then, oh, also for the the pension, there's a special deduction for a pension amount if you receive pension. There's a credit of $2,000 for if you receive a pension. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the benefit. And then there's a clawback of like old age security, so which could be a benefit or a detriment because a benefit is that if you're in the higher income person and your your pension is pushing you out of OAS or you receive OAS, but because of your higher income, they, they call it back. They, you mm-hmm. have to come, it's taken off your overall income. Um, so if you transfer some of your income to the eligible pension income to your lower income spouse, then maybe that um, you still meet that that threshold that you can you don't have to repay back the OAS. And then the opposite too is that um, if you have that income and you have income, it could also reduce some benefits that you have because for a lower income person. So. Um, just something to keep in mind. It, the the election itself, it's it's optional. Mm-hmm. Like you have to like elect every year, and it's not like a set amount. Like you can do scenarios on how much you transfer over, like the pension splitting from zero. Then you, obviously you're not electing anything right. to however percent up to a certain amount. So uh, definitely that's something to look at. And then the election is an actual election that's the spouse have to sign a T ten thirty two. Okay. So I couldn't, for example, I'm not over 65, <laughs> but so I couldn't income split split with my partner. Yeah, it wouldn't. No, not the, okay. not the pension. Plus, I don't think you'll be receiving pension yet. No, I don't I'm not think either. so. <laughs> Unfortunately. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So um, I guess watch out for that or something to ask your accountant about that if you are over 65. And then when it comes to filing your taxes... There are many ways to do it now. There's lots of like virtual programs or online programs. What are the benefits of utilizing the skills of a CPA or a tax professional um, will, you know, to maximize your returns? I'm, I'm biased here. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely the, the experience and the training and the tax laws change so much. I, I do both Canada and the U.S. and I have to keep up with both lo- both countries and mm-hmm. And 
the tax software itself, um, they're fairly intuitive. Like if you have a few slips, like you enter it here, enter it there. But once it starts getting complex and then you get into foreign income, mm-hmm. like where is this income from? Mm-hmm. Um, and then foreign tax credits because you have to pay income in both countries. Where does that go? Or what if you move? I mean, then you've got residency issues. Then I think that's where... And, and that's for sure where I specialize more is on the complex. So mm-hmm. know for sure if if it's a simple return, um, yeah, lots of software out there. Um, I don't endorse any specific ones, but mm-hmm. lots of software out there to do it yourself. For me, I think the biggest deterrent why I take my taxes to an accountant is just because it's very overwhelming and it seems I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. It seems like too big of an undertaking to, you know, figure everything out and submit it and wonder if I'm doing it properly. I'm sure it's fairly intuitive. I don't know. I've never tried, but, um, you know, they're just, it just seems to be easier to take it to somebody that is trained on how to do it. Yes, for sure. And then, uh, you know, we, we have to keep track of the due dates and what forms you have to do, because if, if something's not for the pension splitting, if that's not elected, then you can't claim that. So, Yes, for sure that um, accountants, tax professionals are able to issue spot and then depending on your point in time, um, whether you're you're single or family, there's just some certain um, deductions or strategies that you can do to kind of tax save, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what is your best advice for keeping organized throughout the year to make tax time easier, whether you're a first-time filer or um, beyond that? Do you have any advice to kind of keeping organized? Uh, Definitely keep all records. Keep all records at least six years because you can be asked for documentation. Keep things separate. Um, maybe like when you're starting out, you're using your personal bank account and you're using personal credit card to pay for expenses and, and get your income. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's harder to separate out which is business, which is personal versus maybe down the road. If you're not um, incorporating a company, keep a separate bank account or a credit card to track these things so it's easier for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that, um, the record keeping is maybe invest in in software, just for bookkeeping software. There's some very, I wouldn't say simple, but Mm -hmm. just some ways to kind of automate that. that, And and so that come tax time, you're not trying to search for things because then you can't claim things because there's no documentation of it. So definitely keep organized, get it um, automated with the software, some of the software, you can actually import some of your um, uh, ca- uh, bank statements. But then if you have too much of a personal thing, you have to sort through it anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then the, the, go look at the resources that CRA has. I mean, there's a lot of things there. And and if it is getting too complex and, and then you look at the value of your time. I mean, if it's taking, taking too much time and mm-hmm. maybe it is time to bring somebody else that does this because so that you can keep doing what you do best and so less the best use of your time and money. Okay. So in terms of a software, like for example, um, something like QuickBooks, would that be? 
Yep, for sure. Like that. Yeah. QuickBooks, Zero. There's so many of them right now. Yeah. <laughs> but those are <laughs> the main ones. Okay, good to know. Um, and then I guess, yeah, it makes it easier come tax time because now you have to, whether you're printing, some things aren't ready until now. Like, you know, people are probably just getting their T4s, things like that. So you kind of have to print all of those off, tax forms from maybe your childcare or tuition or and stuff like that is a little bit more you know time sensitive you have to print it off at the pr- at the right time but all of those other things like expenses and um potentially anything else that you want to write off or submit keep track of those things throughout the year so it's not a big headache come this time of year right because you might forget something and can't deduct it so right mm-hmm. um and on 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 the slips itself um there the software allows you to import certain slips that's um with CRA so that's that's some sort of time savings that um, if you have any slips that you could just um, you have to be authorized with CRA have CRA access and then it can import the T four slips in into the tax software. Okay, great. So if anybody did want um, any additional help with taxes or anything like that, um, and or maybe just seeking out what services you have to offer, where's the best place to find you, or how's the best? What's the best way to contact you? I believe that would be my website, the www.ajincpa.com. And I have my contact form there and the services just. And I added on uh, that you can make, schedule a time because accountants at this time is is busy. So it, yeah. I find it easier if you just schedule the time and, and then I can just focus on your specific questions. Awesome. Okay. Well, I guess in short, you can save a little bit of money on your taxes, um, very much dependent on what kind of scenario you are in personally, but uh, an accountant or a CPA can definitely help you out with that. Annalisa, thank you so much for joining us today. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge and expertise on taxes. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. This episode featured Annalisa Jin, CPA, CA, and owner of A. Jin, CPA Professional Corporation. If you like what you're hearing, have ideas for future episodes, or have any feedback you'd like to share, email us at knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca or leave us a comment on social media. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is produced by the CPA Education Foundation, the charitable arm of the CPA profession in Alberta. This podcast is made possible by Brian Heshey, FCPA FCA. Thanks to Brian's generous donation, the foundation created the Heshey CPA Knowledge Center, a virtual hub of resources for all Albertans. Find out more about the foundation and the Knowledge Center at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation.